This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Amen. Turning your Bibles with me to Matthew 6 and Matthew 16. Matthew 6 and Matthew 16. We we started a series last uh, Sunday morning on the keys of the kingdom of God. We're using as the text scripture the 16th chapter of Matthew and uh, the 19th verse. Well, really several verses around there, but primarily verse 19. Jesus has been uh, has at a certain place where there's the worship of many false gods and false idols and so forth. And he asked, who do men say that I am? And the disciples answered and said, well, some say you're Elijah and some say you're Isaiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, and he said, who do you say I am? That's the real question for all of mankind. Who do you say Jesus is? Well, Peter speaks up and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answers and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, this is verse 18, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock thou wilt build my church. Now, the rock he's talking about is not Peter. He's talking about the knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Christ. Upon this rock, this knowledge, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I like another translation on that. It says the gates of hell shall not be able to hold out against it. See, the picture that Jesus paints for us is the one where the church is on the move instead of the devil, that the devil's trying to hold out against the work of the church. And that's the accurate picture that we should have. Then he says, based on the knowledge that Jesus is the the Christ, the son of the living God, overcoming the works of the devil, building the church, he says in verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, remember, then, uh, turn with me. We'll come back to Matthew 16, but turn with me to Matthew 6 now. Jesus has taught his disciples how to pray. They came to him and they asked. He said, John taught his disciples to pray. Why don't you teach us how to pray? So Jesus gives them a prayer. It's a prayer for the period of time that he's here on the earth. It's not a New Testament prayer because New Testament prayer is prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus this prayer that he gives them that's commonly known in the church world as the Lord's Prayer doesn't contain the name of Jesus. So it can't be a New Testament prayer. So you know how, how it goes. You could recite it as well as I can. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But now notice the next thing that he says. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now what does that tell us? If he's telling them to pray that the kingdom of God would come, then that means the kingdom of God hasn't come. Hasn't come meaning at the time that he gives them this prayer. He's praying or telling them to pray, excuse me. He's telling them to pray that the kingdom of God would come. That the kingdom of God would come. Now this has got to be the same kingdom that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 16, doesn't it? Jesus says, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably. Sometimes they mean different things. Most often it means the kingdom of God that Jesus is referring to here. A few times in the scripture it refers to the kingdom of heaven where Jesus comes back in glory with his angels. But when it means that, if we refer to any scriptures relating to that, we'll point that out. 
So for the sake of our discussion this morning, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, and those are interchangeable terms. We'll only use scriptures in which those are interchangeable terms. So he tells them to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus wouldn't tell his disciples to pray something that's contrary to the will of God, would he? So it's got to be the will of God for the kingdom of, come, kingdom of God to come at that point in time that he's speaking to them. Now, notice also when he says the kingdom of God, thy kingdom come, speaking of the kingdom of God, notice he talks about the will of God being done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, think back to how God created the earth. God made the world in six days, put man in the middle of it. There was nothing that could hurt or harm man in any way whatsoever. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no poverty. There was no lack. There was no imperfect tree. There were no thorns and thistles. There was nothing whatsoever that could hurt man or do anything except provide the perfect blessing and benefit for mankind. Now, this is going to seem like a silly question, but I hope it makes the point. Did God make the earth the way that he wanted it? Was the earth in the original creation prior to the fall of man, prior to the introduction of sin, was that made according to the will of God? Well, what was the system or the kingdom in which God created the earth in the beginning? We'd have to call it the kingdom of God, wouldn't we? I mean, what else would it be? There was a system set up, as I said, without sickness or disease, where there was nothing that could hurt or harm mankind. There was no imperfect fruit on any tree. There was no tree that didn't produce fruit. There was nothing that was imperfect in any way whatsoever. Well, that would have to be the kingdom of God, wouldn't it? That was what God gave man authority over. He told, put him in the middle of the garden, told him to dress it and keep it, garden protect it, which indicates there was an enemy here before we see Satan on the scene. And as a result, we have to say that the will of God for the earth in the beginning was, so, was such that there was nothing that could hurt or harm mankind. No poverty, no disease, no lack, nothing to depress, no conflict, nothing but perfection. That was the will of God for the earth in the beginning. Well, the Bible says, God said himself, he said, I'm God, I change not. Why would anybody expect that the will of God would be different for the earth today? If the will of God is different for the earth today, then God has changed. That means the Bible's a lie and we don't know what to believe. Are you with me? So where it says, thy will be done, or thy, I'm sorry, when it says, Jesus told them to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. When is the will of God going to be done on the earth, which has to be the will of God for Jesus to tell him to pray this, it has to be the will of God. Let me see if I can say this without being confusing. It has to be the will of God for the will of God to be on the earth like it is in heaven. You still there? That's what Jesus taught them to pray. When is the will of God going to be done on the earth like it is in heaven? When the kingdom comes. When the kingdom comes. Now back to Matthew 16. Jesus said, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. We think of keys like car keys, house keys, office keys, and so forth. People didn't use keys like that in those days. When Jesus talks to them about keys, he's not talking to them about things that unlock locks. 
Now, the, the, the image or the picture works, but the unlocking he's talking about is knowledge. In those days, if you mastered a certain area of study in what would be the equivalent of the university or some higher school of learning, they gave you a key. And that key was something you wore around your belt so that everybody would know that you've mastered that area of study. And so where Jesus says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, I'll make you masters of the principles that govern the kingdom of God. I'll make you masters of the principles that govern the the kingdom of God, the way that God wants things to be on the earth, which we know is the same way that they are in heaven. Now turn with me to a couple of scriptures. I want you to see with me, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 9 first. Luke chapter 9, there's a lot of scriptures we could use and I'm not sure exactly which ones are the best ones to start with. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, it said, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. I want you to notice he gave them power and authority over the devil and over sickness and disease. Verse 2, And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He says, I've given you authority over all devils and over sickness and disease. Now go preach the kingdom of God. Now what does that mean? Well, from what we've seen already, what we've seen that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we could say at the very least it means preach that God wants things to be here on the earth like they are in heaven. Now let's think about heaven for a minute. Most of the church world, with little or great knowledge about God, thinks of heaven as a place where you escape the evils and the ills of the world. How many times do we think of heaven or have we heard heaven described as the place of rest, particularly when somebody's fought sickness or disease here on the earth or something like that? Well, finally, they've gone into their rest. Well, was it ever God's will for them to have to wait to heaven to get to rest? Not according to Jesus. According to Jesus, it's the will of God for things to be here on the earth just like it is in heaven. And I think so often people look at heaven as a place of escape. Well, what is it we're trying to escape from? Well, if you listen to the church world, by and large, you get the idea that we're trying to escape the great power of the devil. But notice in Jesus' example, in his life and ministry, he delivered to the disciples authority over the devil. You couldn't cast out devils without having power over him, could you? You couldn't cure and heal diseases unless you had power over it, could you? So he gave them power over the devil and over sickness and disease. It's it's fascinating how often those things go together. It's fascinating if you look in the Bible how often the Bible talks about authority to cast out devils and to heal sickness. Because it's all part of the devil's work.
Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So Jesus gave his, authority, his disciples authority to cure diseases and authority over the devil, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. To send, he sent them out to preach... That God wants things here on the earth just like he wants them in heaven. And just like they are in heaven. Now look down with me to verse verse 10. And the apostles, when they were returned, told him all that they had done. Now what do you think they did? Well, he told them to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal the sick. So if they've done anything other than what he told them, they wouldn't be bragging about it, would they? They wouldn't be reporting it. So when it says they told him all that they had done, that tells me that they preached the gospel of the kingdom and they healed the sick. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they, followed, when they knew it, followed him. And when he received them, and he, he, and he received them, excuse me, and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. Notice the connection between healing and the kingdom of God. Now, back up a little bit with me to uh, chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Now, what does it mean where it says he preached the glad tidings of the kingdom? Well, glad tidings is good news, isn't it? What good news would he tell them about the kingdom of God? That God wants things here on the earth like he wants them in heaven. Great rule of thumb to apply in your life is this. Ask yourself the question, is what's going on in my life the way that it would be if I was in heaven? If it's not, then there's a part of the kingdom of God that you can and should apply to your present condition. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. They're front men. He's sending them ahead. Now, what is he sending them ahead to do? Is he sending them ahead to say, Jesus is coming, clear your calendar? Is he sending them ahead as advanced men to let them to to uh, to serve as advertisement? We're going to have a special meeting on the fourth. Make sure you're ready to come to the town square. Notice it says 
he sent them, before, sent, them, sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. He gives them certain instructions. Let's start reading in verse uh, 8. He said, and into whatsoever city you enter, meaning this should work in any and every city. It's not locale specific. And into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things that are, as are set before you. Receive their hospitality, in other words. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Now, the word nigh means near. So he's saying, Go into every city. It's up to the city to determine the results that you get. It's not up to you. Your authority is the same in one place as it is in another. Your mission is the same in one city as it is in the other. He said, but the cities that receive you, receive their hospitality, what they set before you, and heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, the kingdom of God has come near unto you. The kingdom of God is soon to come, in other words. It's soon to come. Now notice the connection between healing the sick and the kingdom of God. It sounds like Jesus is trying to get everybody well before he gets to town. I guess that would make his job easier, wouldn't it? Then he can just preach the kingdom of God, which was his custom anyway. Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the gospel, meaning good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's what Jesus did. He saw that there were too many people than he personally could get to, so that's when he starts delegating his power and authority to the disciples and telling them, as we've read, to go into the cities, preach the kingdom of God, and heal the sick. Healing is a part and parcel of the kingdom of God. Now, there's something else that I think bears witness here. It's worth noticing. Not one place, not one time, does Jesus ever tell the disciples to pray for the sick. Not once. The good news of the kingdom is not that you can pray for, for healing. The good news of the kingdom is that healing belongs to you because the kingdom of God for us has come. Healing belonged to them because the kingdom of God was near to come or soon to come. But for us, he's already come. Now the disciples go and do the work of Jesus, just like he said, and they're even astonished in some cases at the results that they get. Luke chapter 10 tells us in verse 17, now the disciples returned, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us in your name. Well, if you go back and look at what he told the disciples, or the 70, excuse me, they're disciples too, but you know what I mean. What he told the 70 in the early part of Luke chapter 10, he didn't say a word to them about authority over the devil. But they've been with Jesus all the time. He didn't have to go look for 70 when it was time to send them out. They've been with Jesus all the time. Most Bible scholars agree that there was a group of people, anywhere from 120 to 150 people that regularly followed Jesus, for which he was responsible for their care. takes a lot of finances to take care of 150 people. So when the 70 return with joy, they say, Master, even the devils are subject unto us in your name. 
Apparently, they just do what they've been watching Jesus do, even though he didn't say specifically to do it. And Jesus responded, and he said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And when did that happen? That happened when Satan rose up with a third of the angels to rebel against God. That didn't happen when they exercised authority over him. What he's saying is Satan is a defeated foe. He's a vanquished enemy. Well, if he's been defeated already, then how come he causes so much trouble here on the earth? Because we haven't figured out that he's defeated and the kingdom of God provides victory over him in every respect. That's the good news of the kingdom. Now, remember what Paul said. Look with me over to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Remember what Paul said, talking about this gospel of the kingdom. Paul, writing to the church, said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, what is the gospel of Christ? It's got to be the gospel of the kingdom, doesn't it? Specifically, the gospel of the kingdom of God that has now come because Jesus has finished and completed his work of redemption on the cross. So Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of this good news. I'm not ashamed of telling people that healing belongs to them. I'm not ashamed of telling people that you've got authority over the devil. I'm not ashamed of telling people that you don't have to live in poverty. You don't have to live in sickness. I'm not ashamed of telling people that every adversity is of the devil, not of God. That's what he says. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For, because, it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, this word salvation means a number of things. It's an all-inclusive term. It means to rescue. It means to deliver. It means to heal. It means to make sound. It means to make whole. In other words, the salvation that Paul preached, the salvation that he wasn't ashamed of, the good news of the salvation that he preached is that you can be free in every area of life or to fit with what we've said before. Salvation provides you the will of God in the earth just like it is in heaven. Now turn with me over to Colossians chapter 1. Here's how Paul knew this. Let's start in verse 9. Verse 13 is really what I want to get to, but verse 9 will give us the context of what he's saying. He's saying, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, folks, please notice he's writing to Christians who are already saved. He's writing to Christians who already have access to wisdom, the wisdom of God. The Bible says Christ has made unto us wisdom. But just because you have access to it doesn't mean you're walking in it. Paul writes to the Romans and talks about carnal-minded Christians or carnal Christians. And then he talks about being carnally-minded as being the enemy of God. Well, you know as well as I do that there are Christians that are carnal just like there are unbelievers who are carnal. Unbelievers, those that are unsaved, are are carnal by nature. But Christians can be carnal through the absence of the renewing of the mind. The word carnal means body ruled. So you can have carnal Christians just like the unsaved are carnal. So here he says he's praying for them to be filled with wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
you'll allow me to put it in a different term so that they not walk carnally. So that they walk up to, live up to the salvation that Jesus has provided for each one of us. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to walk worthy of that salvation. Are you out there? So that's what he's praying. He said, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord. Unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing must mean bringing good, forth good fruit in your life and increasing in, his, in the knowledge of him. That's what Paul just identifies by the Holy Ghost. Strengthened with all might, verse 11. Strengthened with all might, God is pleased when we're strengthened with might. According to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Now here's the, the paradox that Paul tries to explain to us. The Bible refers to over and over and over again. We think of power being instant results. We think when the power of God's in manifestation, you're going to have instant results. And the Bible talks a lot about Jesus' instant results. But if the, if the power of God, or we'll say it this way, if being strengthened with might by his glorious power always brings instant results, then why would we need to be strengthened unto all long-suffering and patience? See, Paul didn't get instant results in every case either. So many times when you're preaching these things, preaching about the power of God and God's will for you to be free in every area, people naturally assume, because we think naturally, that's the way we're wired. We want everything right now. So when you talk about the power of God and the kingdom of God and these things, when you talk about healing, people normally assume that if it's really the power of God in operation, it's all going to be an instant result. Paul didn't preach that and Paul didn't live that. Paul talked to the Corinthian church and he said, I would have come to you sooner, but Satan hindered me. Well, I thought Paul was a man of faith and power. He was a man of faith and power. How come the devil was able to hinder him? Folks, having authority over the devil doesn't mean you can pray once and do away with the devil in the earth. The devil has a right to be here. But you have a right to realize that he's a trespasser. You have a right to realize that the kingdom of God can and will provide you freedom over all of his work and all of his activity against you. Now, what's going to make the difference and what's going to bring us to the place where we realize that so that we walk and live in victory, becoming masters of the principles that govern the kingdom of God? When Jesus was raised from the dead, he conferred authority over the devil to the church in his name. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Heaven backs us up when we use the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Take authority over the devil and over your circumstances today in the name of Jesus. 
Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. But if you speak the Word of God, you're speaking the power of God to rescue you. You're speaking the power of God to heal you. You're speaking the power of God to deliver you. You're speaking the power of God to make you sound and to make you whole. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.